Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. And thank you for joining us again on this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Tim Grady, and I'm here with my co-host, Lou Weiss, who's president of All Metals and Forge Group manufacturer of open die forgings and seamless roll rings. And we are in this series on the report on business from the Institute for Supply Management. I always enjoy talking to these folks because they really know their stuff. And if you're not tuned into this, well, you are if you're listening, but tell your coworkers to get tuned into it because your stuff is spot on and it actually is an indicator of which way the economy is going. So, Lou, we've got uh, Tim Fiore joining us. He's the committee chair for the manufacturing report on business with a pretty solid report this month. Again. 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 You should only keep on again and again. That's right. Yes, Mr. Fiore, you did another fine job. Fine job. Another good month, huh? Another good month. Yeah. 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 It's uh, exciting. We just... We just know that the media is going to say the report fell. <laughs> we know that's not accurate. So, Tim, share with us the number and how we get there. Uh, you're, you're, it's a good point, Tim. There, that, that was the first comments of this morning that it's that it's easing. But I think you know several <laughs> of them were very astute. That hey, fifty-eight point seven is a pretty darn good number. Yeah. Um, the, the, the other thing we ran into is that the consensus, the economist consensus was 60. So, but, you know, like I said, uh, a drop of 1.8 points is about an 8% decline in an expansion that's still almost hitting 60. That's, those are good numbers. So, Great. you know, demand was strong. The sentiment was very good. Uh, there's some sub-elements in, in the demand side that we should talk about. The output was uh, input restricted, meaning labor and material. And uh, the inputs were stable over the month, not getting much worse, not getting much better. Uh, so, you know, a really good report. And so, should we talk uh, about demand first? Is always best to talk yeah, about demand. I would like to just make one point for our, our listeners that they should be aware that January is usually not a strong month, being that it's the yeah, beginning of the year and. Uh, everybody's blown their money and everyone's paying their bills and uh, so on and so forth. So January is not generally a, a you know bang up uh, month. So uh, I would say it's a bang up month. Yeah, yeah. I mean we seasonally adjust, um, but the seasonal the non seasonally adjusted number still comes in at fifty seven six. I think it is. So it's still mm-hmm. a pretty strong number. And and we yeah. actually step down. Let's see seasonal. Adjust. So we stepped on new orders. So the new orders would have been 1.5 points higher if we hadn't seasonally adjusted them. The production number would have been a point higher. Uh, employment would have been 2.3 points higher. And uh, inventory would have been slightly impacted. So we would have had a 57.4 non-seasonally adjusted, which is a good month. So I think a lot of what's happening here is uh, you know, we've got pure demand. You know, ignore what you're seeing on the TV because the employment numbers – they're not really impacting this sector of the economy. They're impacting the services sector. You know, Anthony's piece in a, in a big way. He's the big employment engine, whereas you know, manufacturing uh, generally is not. It's probably less than 10% of the total employment. Um, so 
so you know, if you ignore what people are saying, then you know, look at this: people are diverting money from services, eating out, entertainment, to buying goods. A lot of that has uh, really crushed the ports. A lot of those goods are coming through Target and Walmart and Amazon, and they're crushing the ports with containers. Uh, so there's spare money in the market to buy things that you've always wanted to buy, and you know we're seeing it here. So the new order level is pretty good at 611. That's a good number. New export orders were at 54.9, down a little bit, down almost three. Hate to see that, but okay, um, especially with a weaker dollar. Uh, the, the most important thing I think in the, on the demand side is that customer inventories. That's a measure of our panelist customers' shelves. Uh, it was at 33.1, the lowest level that, that I've seen, and it's a consistently low level for the last four or five months, going back 10 years. So, but our panelist customers don't have goods on the shelves to sell, which means that they, our panelists have to manufacture more goods and ship it to them so they have goods on the shelf to sell. And then you know, the last number here is backlog. Backlog, two straight months near 60. That's, that's really good. So demand's doing well. I, I, no, no complaints on this. I think the month of uh, December and even probably November and October, we saw such a high uh, new order number in the 65, 67 levels. They've had dramatic price rises, and they're continuing. And, you know, you hold on as long as you can as a buyer, and then you get to place your order. And many times you'll place it for longer because you're concerned what's going to happen to that commodity price. So that could have been the, you know, the, the, the steep, part of the big steep step up there and uh, new orders in October, November, December, people trying to beat the continual run-up in the commodity markets. And they finally dove in and placed orders. So... And then they complain about then they complain about the delivery. They should have ordered something in November. They waited till January, and now they're complaining that deliveries are too slow. Yeah, that's correct. So you know, in the steel markets, lead times are out to 12 weeks. And uh, on my comment side, I had a lot more comments around shortages this time than I had around lead times. The lead times comments were predominant last month and a month before. Now it's about shortages. Uh, Mm-hmm. If a guy publicizes 12 weeks and you need it in seven, you're just going to expedite like crazy. You still have to place your order. You know the way it is with the steel mills. So it's tough to get a contractual agreement on a firm delivery date. So. <laughs> well, Tim, can you uh, have a particular thumb on the pulse of transportation, which is the backbone of supplier deliveries? How is transportation doing they're trying to. I know the drivers. There's a driver shortage. There used to be a truck shortage. Are we moving in a healthy direction, or is it still a struggle? Oh, it's still a struggle, but that's healthy. It's healthy okay. because it indicates that. Yeah, it's healthy because it indicates that there's still a ton of activity, and there is. Uh, we've had major port blockages. Those those hit the comment section. I think we have ocean freight in there for either short or up in price, and. You've seen the media where there's, you know, ships officer waiting to unload. That's a lot of stuff that came from Asia, trying to beat the uh, Lunar New Year that starts uh, in the next week or so. Uh, and then we'll have a dry period, and, and it'll try to catch up. But uh, most of the respondents don't think it's going to go away until the May-June time frame. So, and a lot of what's happening with port congestion is continual retail demand. It's not even so much manufactured product. It's consumer goods because there's such a – excess of money available to people who have money. They're not spending it on stuff that they normally spend on, spending it on gas. And now after 10 months of this, they're spending it on other stuff that they wanted to buy. 
Road freight is still uh, very hot too. There's but uh, the equipment side, our transportation transportation equipment industry sector uh, was you know slightly north of 60 for the month. That's a that's the strongest number, you know by far. It's actually stronger than the peak in August of 18, and it's been continually rising since the trough in April. Uh, and customer inventories are you get a load of this number, 20. So what? So the what? 20. So there's no nothing on the shelves. There's nothing in the lots. Now, this is cars. It's trucks. It's planes. It's rail cars. It's uh, barges. Stuff like that. But you know, by far the biggest piece of this stuff is uh, aerospace cars and and, uh, and trucks. So there's no there's no inventory on the ground. Backlog at 78. Yeah, so so the transportation equipment sector looks really good. Although you've probably seen the media around the, those acute shortages for the uh, Risk Five chips. And uh, we have a lot of automotive companies that are declaring furloughs because they don't have enough chips for their cars, and and that's not going to get solved in, in three to four months. It's probably going to be more like six. So there's a bit of a start and stop going to happen here. You know, demand will remain, remain high, but production output will probably be constrained by the uh, by the lack of components, part, purchase parts. But transportation is still doing well. Oh, go ahead. Are a lot of those components, particularly those chips, Tim, coming in from overseas like Taiwan? Yeah, well, yeah, TMSC, I think it's a primary contributor to this risk five activity. You know, they're a big uh, outsourced fabrication facility. They fabricate wafers and, and print the chips, and I'm not sure if they package them. But, yeah, it's, uh, and, and as a, a global demand, you know, in the, uh, the white goods area, uh, you know, they get lead times out four or five months, and, there's a bit of electronics now included in those kind of components, refrigerators, all that. Uh, there's chips everywhere now. And I think there was just a, you know, a drawdown in the trough, and uh, the automotive industry doesn't believe that they're a big swinger in that area and that the, the chip guys are, are making sure that the big swingers get the chips that they need. So we'll see. I mean, I, I, I think it's, a, it's not a, a short-term thing that can be fixed. Uh, but it's not a nine-month thing either. So hopefully it'll kind of relieve it and we'll be able to move on, unlock it. So from an industry sector side, uh, all of the big six industries did well, uh, but there were two that actually drove the PMI number. The first one was computer and electronics. That's our number one industry sector. Uh, it softened for the, the first time since the trough. Uh, you know, it, came down, it, it came down almost five points. So in my vernacular, that's almost a 20-point drop, uh, and that's probably probably the single biggest contributor to the PMI uh, softening a little bit. But the chemical product side actually expanded; uh, didn't quite expand as much as computer electronics dropped, but it made up for some of that. The other area that was uh, impactful on the PMI was petroleum and coal products. We keep uh, having slight expansion, slight contraction, and we keep going back and forth. So. The month of January was a slight contraction from a, uh, a slight expansion in the prior month. So, so those two are probably the biggest reason why, from an industry standpoint, the PMI softened from 60.5 to 58.7. So you, you hear in the medium uh, mainstream uh, media that uh, the first half is going to be soft and the second half is going to be, you know, great. Um, we're off to a great start here. Is there going to be some uh, realigning of their thinking going forward from first to second half? 
Yeah, I'm not sure they're talking about manufacturing. They're probably talking about the general economy. Uh, oh, yeah. And when we did our forecast for 2021, we we thought that half two would be stronger than half one, uh, significantly more than when we measured it going into 2020, and I think even 2019. So there's there's clearly a feeling in the manufacturing community that half two will be better than half one, and and, and that's kind of wrapped around the whole fact that uh, things will be reopening. I mean, the the, the prediction has, has been that you know the, the population will be vaccinated by midsummer or late summer. And that's now you're into the half two piece. So if they can stay on that schedule to get large scale groups of people vaccinated, then this whole thing opens up. We go back to the comment that 2021 is going to be a no brainer compared to 2020. Uh, the question is, does it expand 4%, 3.5% or 5 So um, I think we're still on track. Uh, you know, I, I, there's a, a lot of activity with the new administration. Uh, our, as you know, our, our uh, forecast on CapEx was kind of weak for 2021, 2.4%. Uh, we are predicting our revenues to be up almost 7% compared to the end of 2020 for 2021. So uh, those are all positive. We know we got uh, significant headwinds on raw material input. We believe that by the end of the year, uh, half, half one, we're going to see a 2.5% price growth on material costs. And then half two is going to be a stable, another 0.4 expansion. So we're going to hit a peak and then run pretty much at the same rate through the end of the year, but it's 2.9% more than 2020. And we're thinking that labor costs are going to be up 2.5%, I think it is. So a lot of headwinds there to maintain a, a, a strengthening profitability compared to 2020. But the majority of our panelists, uh, diffusion index of about 70, believe that uh, 2021 is going to be more profitable than 2020. So, uh, so we're in a good position here, I think. Manufacturing is in a good spot. And you're working your points for the yellow jacket. <laughs> yep, yep. I think this is my sixth expansion now. So since 2020, I count the manufacturing expansion periods. And uh, it was five. But clearly, this is now number six. We're, we're in a heavy V, heavy V that's now getting a little bit choppy on the upper right arm uh, in manufacturing. So we do know there, there are industries that are impacted. We know petroleum and coal products. We know commercial real estate is impacted. We know commercial aviation is impacted. Some of those show up in fabricated metal products. But fabricated metal products is our number two industry sector. And it's been, you know, top top one, top two for the last three, four months. You know, can't get enough steel fast enough. Uh, backlogs are way high. Uh, raw material inputs are, are uh, way bad. So, and that's a, that's primarily, that's a big contributor is commercial real estate. So that, that must just be being driven by uh, automotive and uh, you know, new homes because new homes are doing pretty well too. Uh, Tim, I'm watching uh the petroleum and coal products, particularly gas. And if gas prices start to swing north for a variety of reasons, uh, the current administration or otherwise, how much pressure does that put on manufacturing? Because that is a big cost factor for them. Does that, you know, significantly upset their profitability or is it marginally? Uh, you're talking about gasoline. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So gas, uh, gasoline and en- energy and electricity, and it, it all comes from the kind of fossil fuel source at the moment. Yeah. So, th- so that's one of our industry sectors, as I mentioned, it's hurt. 
I think actually prices rising in the gas area, energy area is a good thing. You know, and, and all the others who have to consume energy and consume feedstocks have to figure out how to deal with it. But, but having your number five industry sector still in a wavering mode, not contributing is not a good thing. Uh, you know, the, the rig count is, uh, is growing, but it's still pretty weak. Uh, that the, the oil and gas companies are trying to manage inventory to maintain a 50 plus dollar a barrel level. Uh, and I don't really see it coming back until people start to commute again, if they do commute to the extent that they used to, and maybe more importantly, uh, you know, travel, leisure travel and business travel coming back. So it's definitely a have to at the earliest for oil and gas and probably 2022 for uh, leisure travel and business travel, maybe Q2 of 2022, you'll start to see that come back. I mean, that's, that's the single biggest problem. The consumption isn't there. People aren't flying around the world. People aren't flying even within their own country. And the, the, the miles driven is, uh, is way low compared to what it was a year ago. So when those two come back, I think you'll see uh, the energy markets respond, right, raising prices. And it'll be healthy. They can reinvest again in capital equipment. They're a big capital equipment investor, not only on the computer side, but uh, drill pipe, fabrications, uh, mobile equipment, transportation equipment, uh, machinery for sure. So I think it's a good thing if we see that that uh, that sector come back, but it's going to be a little while. Uh, Tim, I was uh, this is kind of off the track and way into the future, but I'm kind of curious of your opinion of what occurred this past week with General Motors making an announcement that they are by 2035 are going to be doing away with the internal combustion engine. Uh, that can have all kinds of uh, good, bad, and indifferent uh, reactions. Uh, what's your thought on that? Well, you know, electric vehicles in large scale, uh, maybe not over-the-road uh, line haul kind of stuff. Electric vehicles is on the horizon. Uh, there's still some steps that need to be taken to get it more affordable without government subsidies, but they're coming. And you see, you know, all these fantastic valuations of these startup companies that have technology, but it's not proven. Uh, they they don't have factories. Uh, many of them are SPACs, and they have concepts and things, and maybe they have some pilot vehicles out there, and they're worth, you know, tens of billions. And and GM is was sitting there only four or five months ago at a stock price equal to when they came out of bankruptcy ten years ago. So, and they have good technology. They've got fuel cell cell technology. They have battery technology. It's a great company. And, uh, you know, they made an announcement with Nikola about six months ago that it's kind of fizzled a little bit, but they want to provide that powertrain uh, to other companies. They just made an announcement with Navistar about providing their powertrain to the Navistar uh, folks and maybe even at some point trade time. So I'm happy to see it. Uh, GM's a great company, and, their stock now has doubled since all this, since they're starting to get notoriety that, they, hey, they do have technology here that they can sell to others to propel vehicles, and it would be good for them. I, I think this whole uh, 2035, even either I think it's a net zero carbon impact or you know, no more gasoline-powered engines, I think that's aspirational, and, uh, and you know, people have to have goals. You know, most of GM's other competitors are establishing goals, too. I don't see them kind of casting concrete. That's 15 years from now. I mean, Mary, Mary Barra, who runs the company, probably won't be the CEO 15 years from now. 
but <laughs> in order to, in order to get to an end, you got to you know set a signpost, set a goal, and that's what they've done. I think it's good for them. Not only not only that, but it's good for the uh, the climate as well. Uh, I I gather that once this COVID uh, issue started in California, uh, um, uh, the atmosphere and air quality in California improved uh, tremendously. So, so there was yeah, I good, believe that. Good they came yeah. out of that. I think that's everywhere worldwide. Yeah. I mean, I think they they believe that the worldwide carbon emissions were cut so dramatically by this. Uh, which is a good thing. It gives us, uh, and, you know, we have a new administration. We've we've restarted the Paris Accords and Paris Climate Accords. I mean, everything is changing. A lot of executive orders signed to rescind the things that were maybe quote business friendly. Uh, but, but the good thing is that we know what path we're on here. Uh, the uncertainty is that how big is that stimulus going to be? And I think I was mentioning earlier, or I mentioned earlier on another call. We need a stimulus. Don't know if it's 1.9 billion. I originally thought two. We were going to mean trillion. I originally thought two trillion. We would need two trillion uh, in total. Um, so I, I still kind of do think so because I think we're slow with the vaccine rollout. But it's you know it's become so political with with uh, with other issues being inserted into a bill that are kind of delaying it. I think for me, agreed to from a bipartisan standpoint. Ho- hopefully they'll work it all out. I understand there's a bunch of senators, Republican senators meeting with uh, President Biden today. Glad to hear that he took up their offer yesterday, and we'll see what comes of it. We need some bipartisanship. He certainly does, and uh, and it doesn't make any difference if they borrow, if they issue $2 trillion or $3 trillion or whatever, because it's never going to be paid. This is one of my... One of my strong points that I talk about all the time is they are never going to pay this money back. So what difference does it make? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I think we talked about this last time on the semi-annual. You, the only difference right. it makes is if interest rates get back up to 6%. Well, yeah, right. Or 15%. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. That, that's a big collapse. Yeah, you know, yeah been there, I, done that. I like my approach better. Low interest, no payback. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's uh, that's what we're doing right now. That's what's happening, right? That's right. That's right. And, and I'm not an economist. Tim, right. in this report, other than COVID, uh, uh, the administration doing something untoward, any other headwinds that could impact manufacturing adversely as we roll through 2021 that you might perceive? Well, I mean, price growth is so dramatic. If you look into the report, you'll see that not a single company reported price declines for the month. Not a single company. So of all of our panels, everybody said they're paying increased prices. At some point, you know, that could stuff the expansion because uh, it just can't go on forever. I mean, you can kill a business model by driving prices up way too high. And, uh, you know, out, outside of what's happening here with labor, and general increases across other commodities. Uh, now you're you're probably at that level almost with steel. I mean, you're not operating at 85%. You're operating high 70s, and we're we're paying more money for a price of a ton of steel now than we have in modern memory. So that that could you know really cause some problems. Um, so I, I think we get you know, we got to really watch that and you know, the the labor issue here, getting people back to work in spite of uh, subsidies on un- unemployment, 
because you know, people need to survive. I think that's more, it should be a lot more targeted, targeted on the people whose industries can come back, like uh, the food and beverage industry, waitresses, waiters, cooks, you know, uh, airlines. But I think if you've, got a, uh, if you've got the same job that you had a year ago, I'm not sure why you're getting stimulus money. We've talked about this before, too. Uh, yeah, right. and, and I think the, you know, the weak dollar long term is probably not going to be too good. But if you want to pay off debt and weaken the dollar, that's always a good way to do it. Uh, and that's also <laughs> contributing to the commodity rise. You know, that's what's happening. Right. You know, money is being invested in commodities because the dollar is getting weak. So those are long term macro stuff. I'm very uh, enthusiastic about the uh, the Federal Reserve and the Treasury working together. I think the fact that they both work together in the past is going to be very positive. Uh, you know, probably like-minded, and, and that's going to be good for the country. I'm, I'm just hoping that we find a way to uh, to negotiate and collaborate uh, in the Senate, really. Uh, not to talk politics, but being that you brought it up, uh, what's, your thought, what's your thought about um, uh, Janet Yellen as uh, Secretary of the, the Treasury? Well, I think it's great. Like I said, I think her and uh, Chairman Powell will work really well together. They you know, they have to work well together for everything to work. And Chairman Powell worked well with Steve Mnuchin. So right. and, and you go back, and, and uh, it goes back to the Bernanke days and stuff, working well with, uh, I forget the two guys' names, Geisner and Paulson. And, you know, they, they worked well together. You need them working well together because neither one of them is, quote, independent. They're, they're totally inter- interrelated. So and I think they're, they're going to see the, the issue here is that we, we, the vaccine deployment is going to be slower than we hoped, uh, not unrealistically slow. I, I think it's not unrealistic to try to do what we're doing with vaccines to have taken the amount of time that it's taken. So we're just going to have to continue to support the population that's impacted by all this stuff while people get vaccinated. Once everybody gets vaccinated, people will go back to entertainment and venues and sporting events and Eating out, uh, you know, it may take a few months to, for people to shift off of what they're doing now, but it'll it'll happen. The big question longer term is, and people will go back to traveling. Big question longer term is, uh, what's the demographic impact to cities and uh, and going to work? You know, are are the companies going to call other uh, white collar employees back to the workplace, or are we going to really be working in some hybrid with a lot more people working from home? compared to where we were in 2020, early 2020. I think those are the big macroeconomic demographic issues that we're going to have to face in the next year and a half. Not, that would uh, agree. They're not talking much about the uh, uh, commercial real estate, because uh, I think more important issues uh, at hand, but commercial real estate is really going to take a long-term bang on the issues of this past year, um, I, I see it. I see it all over the place. Businesses for sale, buildings for sale. Businesses are empty, uh, so that uh, they, they're going to have a real hard time of it. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, we're already seeing the impact of people working from home. Uh, yeah. People are able to leave their job and take a job for a company thousands of miles away and not have to relocate, at least in the short term. So now yeah. we have this work, workforce mobility that's incredible. It's, it's a danger. Uh, there were a lot of comments in the report this month about turnover, a lot of turnover. People are chasing wages and things, and, and that's causing a lot of problems here too. 
because people are offering more money for them to go. And you know, I've had, I've had my own situation uh, where where I'm at, where a couple people left and they didn't have to relocate. So that's probably going to be the standard going forward. And that puts your whole workforce now as being mobile, but not as tied as much to the company. And you have to find a way to incentivize them to stay. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you're constantly having turnover that is only going to drive wages up, right? Right, right. But the other the other issue is uh, business travel. Are we really going to get back to the business travel level that we used to get back to? Because that used to pay for all your airlines. I mean, they, that's how they were able to discount tourist travel. So are we really going to get back to the business travel that we used to? I, I don't know. It, it, we may have to forget this pandemic to get back to that. That might be five years before we would see anything back to that level. Or maybe, just, maybe manufacturing talk radio should invite the CEO of Zoom on our show to talk about that issue um, because Zoom has certainly made a huge, huge impact. And matter of fact, uh, um, many of our podcasts now are going to be uh, Zoom video audio and because uh, um, it's nice to see the people you're talking to. And um, uh, I, I think that um, it's, a new, it's novel and new and uh, it's, it's coming. It's here. Yeah, I agree with you. I spent, I spent full time on it. So you know, maybe the next one we should do that. That's a good idea. Yeah. That's a good idea. I'd uh, love to talk about that. Yeah, no problem. I'm willing to do that. I even have a nice ISM background I can put up. Great. great. Oh, there you go. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> oh, that's terrific. It. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll have to talk about that to uh, management of ISM uh, with your help. <laughs> yeah, no problem. I mean, I think it's if uh, I, you know if I'm willing to do it, they're probably fine with it. I would guess. Okay. Great. Good. I'll just Great. have I'll just Great. have to comb my hair and I'll get to comb my hair instead of not combing my hair. <laughs> and what color pajamas do you wear? And, and you know I don't have any hair, but that's a, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll, get you, I'll get you a canary yellow pajama set. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. All right. All right. Well, Tim, o- thanks overall. for joining us. Yeah, really good performing month. Uh, more typical from what I was expecting months ago, right back at a, at a 58. That's a really good number. Demand, all the sub-elements in demand, powerful. Uh, output constrained by labor. Labor at a constant uh, going in. Uh, prices rising dramatically. Backlogs up good, uh, good and strong. Empty customer shelves. Good, good message. Love it. We'll take Love it. it. Okay. Thank you for joining us, Tim. Talk to you next month. Keep your head low and stay safe. You too. Get your second shot. Bye-bye. And we've been speaking with Tim Fiore, who is the committee chair of the Institute for Supply Management's report on business manufacturing report. So we always appreciate hearing from him. And as he mentioned, it's in the report. So if you'd like to find that report, it's at ismworld.org. And you can go there. And while you're on the Internet, go to jacketmediaco.com. You'll find the links to all of our shows and pay particular attention to the fact that we are also on C-Suite Radio and C-Suite TV. 
So we are expanding our syndication, making it easier for you to find, as well as on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, any of your preferred listening apps for podcasts. And once again, thank you for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.